Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Grumpy Young Men on the Believe Network. I am Jason Waller here with my co-host, Alex Meschi. Join us as we take a real look at reality. Welcome back to our show, Grumpy Young Men on the Believe Network. We are back another week after a doozy of a week last week. And uh, just a, the same week. A doozy. A doozy. And uh, just the same, we had a lot of stuff happen this week, uh, locally, worldwide, nationally, um, especially in the sports world. So, you know, rather than talk about COVID stuff, um, it's still kind of COVID related because sports changed this year with seasons being postponed and canceled. But I figure let's... Uh, let's change the energy a little bit and talk about sports and what's going on with that. So Brian, we'll start with the XFL. So Mr. Vince McMahon years ago had this great idea. You know, we're going to make another football league, um, him being tied to WWE at the time, you know, a lot of fans were thinking this was going to be a more than full contact kind of setup. And, the uh, league kind of fizzled out because of lack of interest. And then since then we had the, uh, AAF football uh, organization that disbanded because they couldn't pay their players and a couple of other arena football leagues that have popped up. But then the XFL decided to come back last year. Yes, it did. Now, with it coming back, we had a couple superstars that, you know, rose to their claim to fame. Some former uh, NFL players got a second try. And uh, I think the general public perception was this is going to be similar to like the minor leagues for the NFL, what the AAF was supposed to be. With that being said, they decided this week that they are going to fold it for good, permanently, never to be revisited. Wait, what? Yeah, so they after a supposedly successful year, they go, we're done. Why? Uh, I would say one is financially, two is probably because of COVID-19. Um, or did the NFL go and say, hey, we'll give you a little bit of money, just go away. Now, there may be something like that because with the AAF, the NFL actually came in through the TV broadcasting angle and basically demanded exclusive football rights for the broadcasting networks, which then forced the AAF to go to lesser networks or lesser time slots to not compete, even though it wasn't even during the same time of the year. Well, I'm just curious, though. Like, I mean, could could anybody even compete with NFL? I mean, I, I know I just threw that out there, but I mean, is that even I just don't even feel like there's I feel like they're just so I mean, literally, they are different leagues, but I just feel like they're such in different leagues. I mean, as far as like viewership, follow fans, I mean, I, to try to start something that's like me and you trying to start a, a cell phone company. Let's go compete with Verizon like it just doesn't work. Yeah, you know, it definitely seems like a monumental task, and not to mention when you have the NFL protecting its own um, intellectual property, I guess, that is football. They don't want competition. They don't want people taking away from their Super Bowl viewership and commercial advertisements and all their sponsors. So I understand from the business side of why they don't want it. However, with the football season only being, I believe, what, 18 weeks of season and then a few weeks of postseason, right? And then a few weeks of preseason. I feel like there's enough time in the year to either set up a uh, minor league setup to where people will have offseason viewing or the NFL creates an alternate uh, league, basically, you know, have like a winter league and then a summer league. Now, yeah, why you, does why do some sports not have like I mean like there's minor league baseball I mean and there's it's and it's a very large a large uh, demographic of people 
Why isn't there that in football? Uh, I mean, is there a minor league? I don't even know. Is there a minor league in basketball? There is. Uh, I think it's what the J League or something. G League. That's what it is. Yeah. So but they don't have anything in football, right? No. So football, basically, once you're done with college. Producer Ryan, what, what are you going to say, man? I, I was just going to say, basically, I mean, there's a lot of layers to it, but basically they use the col- they use the college as their minor league system, which a lot of people have a lot of issues with. You know, that's the whole pay for players thing. But basically for football. So they're taking the college. easy way out. I see how it is because, I mean, every other sport's got college. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that you could do out of college if you don't make the NFL draft is go play Canadian football. What's, that all, is, what's that all about? Uh, we'd have to ask, I think, Kurt <laughs> Warner, because that's where he came from when he was bragging groceries and then came to win a Super Bowl, right? Shut up. Yeah. He, he was a grocery Kurt. bagger. And then he came and won about? a Super Bowl. So, yeah, so that's the XFL. And then, you know, keeping on uh, the line of football, we also had the NFL football draft this week. And for those that didn't watch it or are unaware about football or don't care about it, the reason why it's a big deal is because the first time in the NFL history, they had the draft virtually. So it was like a live stream draft. Basically, the NFL took it upon themselves to send two iPhones, cameras and lighting equipment to every single potential draft recipient. And they were there to basically live stream from their home when they got the call and then do their interviews like that. Now, Virtual things have happened. Surprisingly, it went off without any technical difficulties, and they even had the protocol. If there was a technical difficulty, they could put the whole draft on pause. Um, unlike NFL fantasy draft, if you miss your draft slot during fantasy, you just you get auto. How was it received? Do you know how the viewership? Because I mean, I knew it happened, but I didn't pay any attention to it. So that's where the controversy comes, and. The reason why there's controversy is because it was well received in regards to the format because the NFL draft has kind of been this thing that, you know, played out long and people lost interest. And this turned it into almost like a rapid fire. Uh, Basically, it turned into like an NFL fantasy football draft, which kept the pace much faster. The reason why it wasn't well received was the amount of information that they were disclosing about some of these players, especially players that had family tragedies. For example, one player uh, named T. Higgins, he was drafted and on his card, it gave you know his school where he went, his uh, physical stats, you know height, weight. And then it mentioned that his mother had been battling substance abuse for the last 16 years. Now, that's out of left field. Right. So they were highlighting player tragedies. You know, one, one player lost his dad in 2009 and, and all kinds of other you know uh, stories that are unrelated to football. And yes, it's absolutely monumental and commendable that these uh, individuals have overcome these challenges. But one question I'd love to ask you, especially being someone from the uh, field of recovery, is how do you perceive it when this information is conveyed in a medium where it has nothing, or I wouldn't say it has nothing to do with football, but it's the football draft. You know, to Ryan, our producer's point, this is arguably the happiest moment of some of these people's lives. And then they highlight these tragedies that they've already processed, already, you know, gotten over and then make it a part of their story again. I think for me personally, I I mean, I'm always about raising awareness on substance abuse, mental health. And now is that the right format or the right place? I mean, it's just kind of out of context. It's really out of left field. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I personally would not have highlighted that. I mean, again, as you're already taking it cause they've never done that before. Right. So taking this once in a lifetime thing that's happened now doing a virtual draft, which is already supposed to be a very large deal to bring it up in that context. It just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. I mean, for me personally, looking at it, I understand 
But I'm going, what does it have to do with football and why is it here? And then you throw on the fact that ESPN has the audacity to put musical tracks of like sad, somber music while they're announcing these facts. Yeah, I mean, that's where I think that they have those, you know, like, like, I love, I love what they did with, you know, it's totally different, but what they did with like Dennis Rodman and like what they're doing with Michael Jordan right now, you know, they're like documentaries and histories. I think it's great to format it in that and show what they, you know, how they went through it and with how they processed it and how they came out on the other side. But just to mention it, it's, it's kind of irrelevant and it's already bringing sorrow into a really place that we're already in as a country. I mean, bringing up more negativity. I mean, it's, I get what they were trying to do. I mean, I think they were trying to to show and and show what these people have gone through and how they overcame it. But again, is I don't know. I think there would have, could have been a totally better format to bring it in. Yeah, I totally agree. What um, were you going to say about that stuff, Ryan? I saw you getting all itchy over on that mic, man. No, I was just going to say uh, <laughs> the only thing was you mentioned like what the perception as far as like viewership, everything went fine. We talked, we kind of talked a little bit about it. It was the highest rated draft in history that happened. I think on the first night they did. Uh, over 15 million viewers. The oh, damn. That's yeah. big. 15 big. million. The second round or the uh, second day, the second and third round, they did 8 million. And then the last day, they had four. So, which were all like, I think they said. Why did it go like, down so much? Just, you know, nobody knows the players on the last last day. And nobody much, cares about the yeah. sixth round. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm still learning, man. I love sports, but I don't really pay attention to this stuff, you know? But yeah, it was it was a huge success numbers wise, but, you know. I wonder if that had to do with obviously everybody just being locked up and in the house and, you know, I mean, or yeah, is, I it, is it more access? It. Well, I think that's part of it. And the other thing to keep in mind, or was it more accessible though? I think that's the other thing. So typically speaking, the draft was all always held on cable television, right? Well, we're now in the age of one, the COVID quarantine. So everybody's at home going through everything online, but two, with all the cord cutters and everybody ditching cable, ESPN put the draft for everybody to see on YouTube live as well. Mm. So it was live streamed accessible for everyone for free, uh, which could also then lead to increased viewer ratings. So I totally, uh, understand why nobody will watch the fifth day. I could probably care less after the first day. Cause I don't really know anybody other than like, you know, the five top prospects coming out of what Oregon, Alabama, SC and LSU probably. And that's about it. But, um, yeah, definitely, definitely was something new and exciting. That's interesting. No, I, 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 what's crazy is I was, I was actually, uh, up in Arrowhead with my family, uh, freaking quarantining, uh, but enjoying the outdoor nature and stuff. But I did one thing I kept hearing when we were in like the living room or walking through or going to play pool or something. I, I constantly heard everybody talking about the, the draft, the draft, the draft. So I was aware of it, but I wasn't one of the viewers. What about this? Was anybody talking about Gronk? Uh, I actually saw, I was watching the news and I saw that Gronk came back. What Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. With, with, uh, I can't believe Brady's going there too. So Brady going there. Okay. That's one thing. And there's, you know, these reports of bad blood between him and the Belichick system or whatever. Uh, no need to get into that. There's enough, uh, what do you mean? What what, Belichick bad, blood, bad blood with Belichick and who? And Tom Brady. Oh, really? Yeah. Basically they weren't, uh, Gronk even did an interview where he said that essentially the joy of football was sucked out of it for him. Okay. So while you're winning all these championships is great. You're not having fun, which I mean, there's a little bit of translation of winning to fun, but I I get where he's coming from. A little fun fact about Gronk, dude. I was watching Shark Tank. That's one for sure. And his brother came out with the Gronk cup, bro. It's pretty sick. It's a little shaker, you know, (laughs) it's all, it's aluminum instead of the plastic damn, uh, blender balls. Yeah. Nice. So let me ask you this. What do you think is crazier Gronk coming out of retirement to join his buddy, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay 
or the fact that Belichick was able to trade Gronk for a fourth round draft pick from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That he was able to trade Gronk for a fourth round <laughs> draft pick. I mean, like biggest mistake of your life. Tampa Bay wanted Gronk so bad they gave away their fourth round pick for Gronk out of retirement. That's, uh, dude. I mean, I I feel like that almost speaks to Belichick's genius around football. He straight traded a retired guy for a fourth round pick for the Patriots. Yeah. Well, how see how does that play? If he was retired, how does Belichick have anything to do with his his pick? Because I believe he was retired with still time on his contract. So he's still technically an asset to the Patriots. One more year left, I guess, is what producer Ryan's saying. Man, you're like ESPN. It's it's thrown over here. I love this. This is great. Yeah, we stole him from Fox Sports for a reason. Yeah, damn right, bro. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so Thank you, Jason Davis. <laughs> right. So the last interesting thing in the world of football were uniform announcements. Did you see any of those? No. everybody okay go let's hear it (laughs) so me being a chargers fan i'm actually kind of stoked oh god bless your heart our uniforms are sick our team's horrible we got rid of rivers okay well then we'll be great maybe but we have what tyrod taylor and then we drafted another quarterback i don't know enough man i'm a a rams fan (laughs) (laughs) nothing wrong with that so uniforms uh, let's go man yeah had a whole new slew of uniforms i think the chargers released seven or eight um even the what happened just to one good old uniform man well you got your home your home alternate you're away your away alternate your playoffs your throwbacks your sundays your mother's day love you man (laughs) okay gotta have options man Uh, i appreciate that well i'll stick to my i'll just buy one jersey and i'll stick to it i feel you there yeah so switching gears from sports um let's talk local man we've had a couple things interesting happen around quarantine especially in orange county here and uh for a lot of people that think we live in a bubble, for the most part, we do. But every once in a while, we get caught up in a little bit of controversy, thanks to our uh, board of supervisors. And the uh, controversy last week was around the reopening of our county beaches. Oh, yeah. And golf courses, which golf courses, you know, I don't understand why they would close those anyways. because That's like about as quarantine as it gets. but pr- Pretty much. But the beaches were reopened. And with that, we had about 40,000 people driving <laughs> from the Inland Empire. <laughs> across county lines to get to the beach and uh you know making the news um but we did experience a bit of a heat uh, heat wave this past weekend and you know that's driving people to the beach and i'll admit i was one of those individuals i was at salt creek you know maintaining my 10 feet of distance from everybody but it blew my mind was it crowded it it was the most crowded i've ever seen salt creek and the fact that i had more than fourth of july more than fourth of july it was more crowded than I've ever seen. And I've been there for Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day. like any- Okay, so then how do you social distance? Because when you're at the beach during 4th of July, literally you're on top of people. So, you know the little grass area up top? Yep. Every 10 feet was a blanket or a tent or something. It, it basically, so it's like a bunch of che- like a checkerboard. That's exactly what it looked like, especially on the sand Did with all the towels. I took a couple pictures. I like um, to see those of the beach. Yeah, you know, and it was a beautiful sunny day. It was like eighty five. We had to park about a mile and a half and walk through neighborhoods, and you know, got harassed by residents not allowing us to park on public streets. But overall, it was a great beach day, and uh, you know, got to see a little bit of the red tide. I'm sure you saw the dolphin videos. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about that though. So everybody coming out of quarantine to go to the beaches. You know, what is your, what was your take on that scene, everybody? Well, 
when I was talking with uh, my girlfriend and my roommate about making the trek out there, um, the question I had is, do we need a face mask? Because in Irvine, it's a city ordinance. If you go in and put uh, any essential place of business, you have to wear a face mask. Gloves are optional, right? When we got to the beach, I did not see a single face mask. Well, it's not a business. It's not. But even when you walk around the street and stuff, you, you see people yeah, cycling right. okay, with a mask okay, yeah. or jogging. So not a single face mask of any beachgoer. Okay. With that being said, everybody was super civil. Everybody was super cordial, polite, you know, please, thank you. Excuse me. Like people were respecting the social distancing rules, which was cool. Um, but you could definitely see that people have been cooped up way too long. And at this point we're just out, they were going out regardless, you know, and some people decide to go to the beach. Some people decide to go protest at the beach. Well, you want to hear a fun fact real quick? Yeah. You know that Salt Creek never even closed. I'd believe that. Neither did the wedge in Newport. No. Oh, it did towards the end because we were walking it. Oh, really? Yeah. But, okay. But Salt Creek, it's funny because the beach, Salt Creek is uh, a very a very good surf beach down in Dana Point slash Laguna Beach. But uh, yeah, my buddy uh, teaches surfing down there and, and they never closed and everybody thought every beach was closed. So. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing. So when the county supervisors announced that they were opening the county beaches, um, I have to admit, I went on Google and I started trying to decipher what's a county beach versus what's a state beach, right? Trying to figure that out is like trying to good luck, bro. You know, solve world hunger. I had to go through like 17 different websites and some were saying Salt Creek's a state beach. Some were saying it's a county beach. Some were saying it's a city beach. And I'm going, I don't know what's what. The only way I've ever been able to tell what's the difference between a state and county beach is if you have to go to a, if you're actually going through and you have a pay station, like an actual human, like a guard check and you actually pay them versus like a parking meter. Okay. So let me ask you, Doheny beach, is that state or is that county? That's a state beach. So why is it run by OC parks? I don't know, but I know it's a state because <laughs> because I, I only reason why I know is because I got a ticket from them before and it's and I owed the state. Oh, oh yeah, that's interesting because I thought all the county beaches were run by OC parks, so like Salt Creek's run by OC parks. That would make sense. Um, but Doheny, the people at the little hut, they work for OC parks. They work for the county, but it's a state beach. Yeah, so. I don't know. Maybe it's anything with RV parking. That makes sense. Or camping. Yeah, camping is. They, yeah, I think that's what. I don't know, man. Yeah, that makes well, sense. Because Crystal Cove is a state beach, but it's uh That's a nature preserve too. Yeah. So whatever. State Anyways, park. this is why can't you just go to the sand, man? Put a freaking towel down and go in the water. You do. They were doing that out in Newport, where the boats uh, launch off Balboa. Right. You know, like the little uh, sand area that they put the moorings in. Yes. You. You. I saw people uh, lying out on the water and sand down there, which I personally wouldn't because harbor waters. It's pretty usually gross. Gross with fuel and stuff but um yeah back to my question did you catch the uh, dolphins and the photoluminescent stuff in the water no any of those? you missed out i missed out so for the first time and i think i want to say 16 years they had the photoluminescent uh plankton in the water right and we see those cool pictures of like the dolphins and it's all like electric blue or neon blue but this was the first time it actually filled up the entire newport harbor so you had people paddle boarding and every time they're dipping their paddle in the water, it just right. starts glowing. Wait, what? Yeah. The entire Harbor. So like the boats are coming in to like slip, you know? Right. And the wakes are like neon blue coming off the, off the boats at night. 
That's epic. So I had a couple buddies, they took kayaks out and every time they're paddling or they just, you know, stuck their GoPro in the water, you just see streaks of like blue lasers coming off of whatever is in the water. That's pretty dope. It was I like, like that, that for three days. Yeah. I like that. So that was pretty cool. Um, other big news in the county. Did you hear the Orange County Fair is canceled? No, I didn't, but I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. It doesn't, but similar to like Wimbledon being canceled for the first time since World War II, I can't remember the last time the OC Fair didn't happen. And I mean, I've gone every year for the last probably 20 years. Dude, I can't. I mean, I feel like the carnies just charge no matter what, bro. I bet you half that place will still be set up. <laughs> but, <it's, laughs> but they didn't get the memo, man. All the, all the, all the game stands are still going to be there, bro. I'll be throwing darts at balloons and shooting basketball hoops through hoops at Bend. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how I'm going to miss the food, dude. Damn, man. I, I always look forward to that like week of just straight cheating. You yeah. I'll get in freaking ch- uh, fried Snickers and freaking butter battered churros. And what's your favorite? I'd have to go with the, uh, dude, I don't know. It's, it's probably going to have to be the fried Snickers. Fried Snickers? Yeah. Okay. Fried Oreos usually get me. Yeah. Those things are super good. Yeah. Okay. You too. It looks like yeah. Ryan's on the fried yeah, Oreos. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. For our listeners, what's your favorite? Fried Oreos, fried Snickers, Krispy Kreme burger. No oh, God, Krispy Kreme burger, man. Two foot long corn dog. No, jeez. <laughs> we know that's Alex's favorite. We know that's Alex's. He likes the corn dog version. <laughs> so yeah. Anyways, with this quarantine, you know, we've had a lot of unprecedented events and changes to things like the NFL draft. Well, let me um, ask you guys a question, man. Let's see. What are your thoughts about reopening? You know, I mean, what are your guys' thoughts about reopening? Because my question, and did, did I talk about this last week? No, hit me. You no. Know? So, I mean, like, we can go to the grocery store. We can go to Home Depot. We can go to all these places. Um, and, you know, you just wear a mask and you go in and get your stuff. You wear your gloves. And which is another thing is I had, I had a doctor's appointment, which mask i guess is the whole thing i mean i know everybody talks about it but i just thought it was fascinating because i did not know this even the an n95 right is that the mask yep that even the 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 virus is so small that it can seep through there um that so it really doesn't do anything to protect you from that it's really to help you not touch your face uh and and be projectile and projectile and stuff but so it was just kind of interesting it was another fact uh and also with gloves i heard uh it's better to not wear gloves because i was wearing gloves all over the place people like you know it's, it's better not to wear gloves just use hand sanitizer you're just spreading the love yeah just spreading the love so that being said why are all these other businesses able to be open and and function when and again like going to alcohol and all these other i mean how like marijuana dispensaries like how are those essential uh essential places but you can't go to church like I I don't understand. <laughs> Dude, it's a very easy answer. What? How, how much tax? How much tax money does the church pay? That's exactly my point. <laughs> so okay, let's uh, let's throw some fuel on this fire. So we've been in quarantine. We've had uh, non-essential businesses locked down. We had restaurants closed, open only for takeout and uh, curbside. Right. There was an article that came out in Newsweek uh, this morning, and it was repeated by Reuters and Forbes and a few other major publications. And the topic was Sweden. So for those of you that don't know, Sweden is one of the only countries that actually didn't lock down. They stayed open for business, 100%, normal, just regular everyday life. Okay. Okay. With that being said, Stockholm is producing their data on both cases, fatalities, who, you know, the, the demographics of those who are passing, but the curious thing 
you know, me being a numbers guy and looking at these numbers is that when you look at the population density of Stockholm, uh, Sweden, right. And you look at the overall population, uh, it equates to about 20, I, I believe the number is like, uh, 20,000 per square mile. Okay. Uh, in contrast, uh, New York city is at about 27,000 per square mile. Okay. So what that means is that you have people living on top of each other. New York, by contrast, has been a hotspot. Stockholm, Sweden, despite having no quarantine, has less than 9% in terms of ratio of what New York has. So either they're doing something right by not locking down or they're just going through the, the, uh, motions, the motions, right? Versus New York City is having all these problems, supposedly. And that makes me wonder, what's the difference, right? And then when you extrapolate, New York City is not the most populated city in the world. You have Mumbai, India, that's like at 170,000 people per square mile, yet it's not an epicenter for pandemic. So what are you getting at here, bro? I'm saying the cake doesn't bake. And I'm not, you're asking, you know, about uh, the stipulations around opening up and I'm going, well, Sweden never closed and they're having less problems than we are. Why, right? What do you think? What do you think about that, Ryan? Why do you think that is? I have no idea, to be honest with you. It's pretty curious though, right? It is. For a country to not lock down. Now, mind you, this is a country that three years ago is being reported that there were no-go zones in the country, like the cops wouldn't even patrol there. So obviously the country societally, they have their issues too. But in regards to this pandemic, they took a completely different approach than the rest of the world, yet they're having more success than the rest of the world. How did some of these other countries do with like swine flu and like the, the all these other things that we, these other mini pandemics, right? And we didn't shut down or do anything towards those things. Nope. And how, how so I guess my question is, is then what is the difference between how we handled those versus how we handled this? Um, I think part of the difference has to do with one, uh, social media and the spreading of information being much quicker. Um, two, I think it has to do with, you know, with having social media and having all these platforms that are easily, uh, approachable by just about anybody, you know, back in the day, if you wanted something on the news, you had to actually be a news reporter nowadays to get something on the news, you just have to have a viral tweet. So the investigative journalism, uh, aspect of actual journalism is more or less dead, right? Uh, especially, you know, we, we work in marketing, so we know everything's about uh, price per click, right? And you're just trying to get as many clicks on whatever you want. So yeah, that's where those misleading headlines come in, or that's where you get just like weird articles that have nothing to do with what you even clicked on and things like that. So I feel like there's a lot of distortion um, out there in the media, just out there in the world that a lot of these people then catch on to misinformation or misguided information and then start sharing it in their circles. And then they create these echo chambers and everything is just ping ponging. The thing that blows my mind is that when these people are actually approached with real facts and statistics, they don't get it. And the thing that I love about numbers versus letters or words is that if you take a word and you misspell it, you can still say the word and still know what it means. Yet you never knew how to spell it right. Versus numbers, if you mispunch a number or use the wrong number, the whole thing's wrong no matter what. No ifs, ands, or buts. <laughs> yeah. You know? So uh, numbers are finite. They're exact. They're absolute. They are what they are. Words, letters, they can be changed. Accents, this, that, and whatever. So when these people are not willing to look at actual hard statistics, 
Okay. Or even more so, they're not willing to look at where those statistics are coming from or what inputs went into it. That's what blows my mind. Everybody's just willing to take surface level, not comprehensively think about what they're even reading. They just go, the sky is green. Perfect. I read it on the internet. The sky is green and they'll be looking at a blue sky all day. And in their mind, they'll just believe it's green. Yeah. So it's, I think one of the main reasons why this is different, um, despite H1N1 being much more severe, especially in the early onset. But I think the other thing is that the objective has changed. Remember in the beginning, it was all about flattening the curve. It was all about not overloading the health care system. Right. And that's what Sweden's objective was. The, their whole thing was they were going to watch the lockdown, no lockdown, unless there was this crazy spike and the healthcare system became overwhelmed. Cause especially in Europe, they have socialized healthcare, right? So everybody's taken care of regardless and you pay your taxes, but they never saw the capacity hit to where it was critical. So in their eyes, it was just another flu season. In other words, yeah. in the rest of the world's eyes, everybody's dying for one reason or another. So let me hit you with the closing question on this is, do you think this is political? I think, okay. If you had to ask me for my honest truth opinion, right? No, I want you to tell me the biggest lie you possibly can. <laughs> uh, my, my honest opinion on this is that I believe the world came together and all their intelligence agencies caught wind of something being worked on or created. Uh, the keywords being flu spliced with HIV, which is why I believe initially when this coronavirus first popped up, they were trying HIV treatment protocols to try and quell this thing. And the coronavirus is actually responding versus influenza. It would not respond at all. Right. So they were actually making traction on it, but because it's not purely HIV, it's not hundred percent effective. Right. So the entire world came together, said, there's this thing being made. It's going to be bad. This and that when it actually released and we got the raw data, the world then saw it. it's not as bad as we thought, but we already locked everything down. Wait, I'm so lost. What does this have to do with HIV? Uh, initially, when coronavirus was being reported, yes, they because we didn't know what it was. Yes, the initial laboratories were saying that it looked like it was flu spliced with HIV. Oh wow! Okay, and the whole idea behind that would be for transmission, right? Yeah, and that's also why they say once you have this coronavirus, it's in your system. You build that immunity, those antibodies, but it's always with you, similar to something like HPV or like herpes and things. Right? Oh god, man! Yeah, horrible. So when the world caught wind, they decided to shut everything down because they go, "Man, this is bad. This is going to kill everybody." Right? When they saw the actual data backing up the fact that it's not killing everybody, they go, "Wait a minute. We already closed everything." Lot, people's livelihoods have already been damaged, if not ruined. You know, you have generations old businesses like uh, the one that uh, even Marcus, bro, gone. Well, not only that, but like even these small mom and pops that were cornerstones of communities, like the one in oh, Sutter Street. Girl. Yeah. So you know that little cafe closed. Well, if the world were to go and be like, "Hey, we made a mistake. False alarm, everybody." somebody's going to have to pay that price and you're going to have people in the streets with pitchforks and torches. Right. And that's why I believe we're going to this phased reopening because uh, we're still reopening slowly sooner than originally predicted, but it's being done in a way that it's not like, Hey, we messed up our bad. It's 
I could get on this. I could get on that level. I could see that that's being that could be the case. Yeah, because dude, imagine if they just reopen everything, said false alarm. Dude, everybody's going to be suing the uh, California state for shutting down. There are already class action lawsuits against the state of California. I don't know if you're aware because of the lockdown as a constitutional violation of your First Amendment right to assemble. So you have class action lawsuits already going against the state of California. So those would be spreading like wildfire, right? And you'd have all these people basically just trying to completely overthrow the government at that point because they'd be so infuriated, especially those that have lost generational businesses. So heavy, dude. So heavy. So much stuff going on. So much to catch up on. So what would be your, uh, what is your takeaway for this week, man? Let's close it out. My takeaway for this week would be if you read something that's mildly interesting, do a little bit more reading and actually read the whole article. Fair enough, man. We'll be back. We're some grumpy young men. And we will be back next week on the Believe Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.